open your Bibles this morning to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. I want to speak to you today about the exceeding greatness of God's power. The exceeding greatness of God's power. I, I said, well, what does the word exceeding mean? Now, it's used uh, two times in a very significant place when it talks about the power of God. All right, now look first in Ephesians 3 and uh, verse 20, and notice how it uses the word exceeding as an adjective. It's like God says, now, I, I want to tell you about this. It says in verse uh, 20 of Ephesians 3, and I, I was just the other day, I was uh, thinking about, uh, you know, just the word, and, and the Spirit of God said, turn to Ephesians 3.20. I thought I knew what it was. But when I got there, it's been on my mind ever since. Now look what it says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Now what he just said is God is able to do very great. That's the word exceedingly. Very great above everything that you could ask or think according to the power. Now, now underline that word. God is able to do very great, more than we could ever ask or think by the power, the power of God that works in us. The exceeding greatness of God's power. Now look at the first chapter of Ephesians, and he uses that word again. He uses the word exceeding, and he makes it very personal about God's power to us. It says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being opened, that God will open your eyes to see a truth. And what is the truth? Look down at verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? He, he puts a double thing there. Exceedingly means great, very great. So that you may know what is the very great greatness of his power toward us who believe, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand on high. He said, I want you to know the exceeding, the very great greatness of God's power to us who believe. And so somehow we, we need to come to grips with the fact that God's power is so far beyond our comprehension. That's why Paul said he is able to do more than we could ever ask. Or he is able to do more than we could ever think. Whatever we might ask or whatever we might think would not even touch the greatness of the power of God. And the question that I find asking myself, am I experiencing the power of God in my life? 
on a daily basis? Am I experiencing? Am I walking in God's power every day? And then I transfer it to our church. Are we experiencing? Are we walking in the power of God? You know, it's so easy to settle for less. To settle for less. God can do more than we could ever ask Him or thinking. And His power toward us is very great, great. Why should we settle for living in our own power? And ministering as a church in our own power when God's power is available to us and it's for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, my passion, and I'm, I'm talking about myself, I, I, I want God to stir me up and to give me a passion to see His power in a greater way. I mean, I can't be sat- we can't be satisfied. We've we got to have a deep longing to see the power of God in the lives of other people, in our own lives, in our church, and in our city. And my prayer is that God would stir you up, that he'd stir you up, that you'd say, I refuse to live without the manifested power of God in my life. It says, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. He's able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or think according to his power that works in us. I wonder as you face the daily challenges of life, do you face them in your ability and your wisdom and your power? Or do you face the daily challenges of life in the wisdom and in the power of God? Because the power of God is is ours. It is ours. And it's in His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me just say a few things about the exceeding greatness of God's power. You know, the greatest manifestation of God's power is in creation. Now, I know His great power was manifested in the resurrection. And it's hard to say, but let me just tell you something. You get to thinking about creation. And it amazes me. The awesome power of God when he created this world. Turn to Psalm 19. You you know, know, it gives you a a picture of the power of God. And and let me tell you what it says in creation. And it says it speaks to every person in the world. It says that creation shows the power of God, the creator, to every person in the whole world. In Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Sometime on a night when it's not cloudy and when the sky is clear and you look up into the sky and realize that those stars are millions and millions and millions and billions of miles away. But yet the light, the light that started from that star probably started in, in our time 100,000 years ago, but now it's just now reaching us. You get to thinking about the marvelous creation. They're discovering galaxies now that they didn't even know that were there. And it says here, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. 
Now, now, and it says, and God speaks through creation. Look what it says. Day, day unto day utters speech. Every time you see the sun rise, God is speaking to you. Every time you see the sun set, God is speaking to you. Every time you see the stars twinkling in the sky, and every time the moon rises, hey, you know what God's doing? God's speaking to you. Oh, yes, he's speaking. He's speaking through creation. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Now, listen to what it says. I love this. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. It doesn't matter if you live in the darkest Africa and a tribe that doesn't know one word of English. It doesn't matter if you live in the polar ice cap. It doesn't matter where you are. Every day, God speaks to every living being on this earth. He speaks to them through his creation. There is no place, he said, where his voice is not heard. My, my, to think of how God created this magnificent, marvelous world in which we live is beyond finite understanding. And it says there's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Listen at verse 4. Their line has gone out through the whole earth. Their line has gone out through the whole earth. And their words to the end of the world. Let me tell you something. That guy over there who's never heard the name of Jehovah, never heard the name of Jesus, he knows there's a God. He may make one out of a rock. He may make one out of an animal. But I guarantee you he looks at the world in which he lives and how the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west and how that, that, that the seasons. And he looks at this world and he says, my, there's somebody behind this world. Somebody behind this world. And if he doesn't know who it is, he might worship a creature more than a creator. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. The power of God is manifested by the awesome creation of a holy God. That same power is ours. The same power that God spoke this world into being. The Bible says the exceeding greatness of his power. To us who believe. And it goes on and says that one of the greatest evidences of God's creative power is, is um, in, in, in verse, in last part of verse 4. In them he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It rises from one end, it rises from one end of the heaven, the east, and and, and its circuit is to the other end. Now get this. And there is nothing that is hidden from its heat. Everybody at one time or another feels the warmth of the sun. So listen, there's the marvelous power of God in creation. And there's another verse that I would point out to you. It's in Romans chapter 1. Turn over there. And it says that God's power is seen through creation and that should it point everybody to know that there's a creator, the true God. In Romans chapter 1, notice what he says about that the way God has revealed himself is by creation. Look at verse 19 of Romans 1. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. He says everybody knows there's a God. Listen at this. For since the creation of the world, 
His invisible attributes. What does that mean? That he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that he's all-seeing, that he's ever-present. From the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen and understood by the things that are made. How in the world can a person look at this marvelous creation and say there's no God? I'm telling you, no wonder the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He said his eternal attributes are seen by the things that he has made. And by the way, so they're without excuse. They have no excuse. It says the, the invisible attributes are clearly seen and understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, Godhead so that they are without excuse. No one's ever going to be able to stand before God and say, God, I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know there was a God. God said, oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. When you saw the sunrise and set, when you saw the millions of stars in the galaxies, and, and when you saw all of this creation, it said to you, there's a creator. Well, I just didn't know there was a God. Oh, yes, you did. But you know, there's one other aspect of his creation. And I mean, it is amazing to me. It is not only the creation of the world, but of the human body. Psalm 139, 14. You don't need to turn, but I just want you to listen to this. H have you thought about the marvelous body that you're living in? You say, Brother Fred, it's marvelous, but sometimes it sure gives me trouble. Well, welcome to the club, okay? But you know what it says in Psalm 139, verse 13. You formed my inward parts. God, you put me together. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, they tell me there are millions of miles of blood vessels that our blood goes through every day. You know, I mean, that's a lot of miles. And just think right now. Your heart's pumping that blood, and it's, it's taking that circuit through. It goes even to the little veins, and then the big veins, and then the stopped-up veins. It goes to all the different veins. And I tell you what, that, it goes to the valves, and the valves better work. That's all I got to say. If that valve stops working, you got deep trouble. But I'm telling you, I, I'm amazed. You know, the ability to think. You know, I can see you, I can talk to you, I can communicate with you, I know who you are. I used to, but now my mind's... But anyway, I'm telling you, it's amazing. You know, we live in this body every day. But I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. The awesome power of God in creating our human body. Absolutely awesome. And, you know, we think that physicians know everything about our body. They don't. Have you noticed that they say they practice medicine? You notice that? They practice it on you. That's who they practice it on. But, you know, thank God for them. Thank God for the wisdom and the technology that they've developed. Many of us are alive because of what God allowed them to discover. Let me say something to you. If you ever wonder about how powerful God is. 
Look at the world in which you live. And just take a close look at the body that your eternal soul lives in. And you'll say, man, he's an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. How great is our God. But you know, you go further and you not only see the manifestation of God's power in creation, but it gets very personal when we see God's power uh, in our, uh, God's power toward us in Christ. You know, in the context of God's power, it's related to the person of Jesus Christ. And as you read the New Testament, it talks about how God's power is found toward us. How we experience God's power is through Jesus Christ. That's how we experience God's power. Now, here's a person who's not a Christian. They have a physical body given them by God that's just like our body. And they have a mind. But, you know, the problem is, you know, they cannot experience the spiritual power of God apart from Jesus Christ. And, And the Bible says that. Let me just read you some verses. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Now, it tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God and that he is the power of God. Look at the 22nd verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, the Jews request a sign. Give us a sign that Jesus is the Messiah. And the Greeks, the Gentiles, they they say, seek after wisdom. Prove God to us in a test tube. The Jews said, prove God to us by sign. And the Gentiles said, well, show us God in a test tube. They seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are saved, both Jews and Greeks. Listen to what it says. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God to us is Christ who is the power of God and who is the wisdom of God to us. The way we know God's power and the way we experience it is through Christ. He is the wisdom of God and he is the power of God. Over in 2 Corinthians, an awesome, awesome verse talks about how God's light has shined in our hearts in Jesus Christ and that we have God's power in our bodies. Let me read that to you. It says in in 2 Corinthians 4, now listen carefully. If the gospel, the good news of Christ, is hidden, it is hidden to those that are lost, whose minds the God, little g, Satan, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. So they do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine in them. And Paul said, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ. Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. And then he says it, for it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, and it shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. And then he says it. We have this treasure, Jesus. We have this treasure in earthen, earthen vessels, this, this body. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. He said, you know, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And he's the power of God. And he said, you know, God has shined in our hearts. And we understand the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure, Jesus, in our human body. That the excellence of the power may not be our power. But it may be the power of God. The presence of Christ in our life. Not only is the power of God manifested in creation. But it's manifested in his son, Jesus Christ. You know what 1 Peter 2 says? That by the power of God, we have been become partakers of the divine nature, the very nature of Christ by his power. Now, let me ask you something. Are we experiencing God's power in our life? Jesus Christ lives in us. And are we living in our own power, fighting our own battles, going, doing the best we can? Or somehow have we learned to tap into the power of God that is in us, in the person of Jesus Christ? I want you to listen at this verse. First sermon I ever preached was on this verse. Back in 1956, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now listen at this. For it is the power of of God. Now wait a minute. He says the good news of Christ is the power of God to those who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed. The just shall live by faith. Now th those words you, you know them but listen. The gospel of Christ is the power of God for everyone who believes, Jew and Greek. Now, here I want to ask you a question. What is the gospel of Christ? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to those, to everyone who believes. Well, did you know that in, in two verses... Paul gave us the gospel of Christ. Oh, yeah, two verses. In 1 Corinthians 15, you don't need to turn, verses 3 through 5. Listen to what Paul said. He gives us the gospel. He tells us what Jesus told him after he saved him and set him on the road of serving him. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says, I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he, and, and he, buried and he rose again the third day and he was seen of Cephas and the twelve. Do you know what Paul did in two verses? In Romans 1 he said, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power of God to save people, to deliver people, 
And then he goes on and says, but let me tell you what the gospel is. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. You know, that's the gospel. It's the death of Christ for our sins and the resurrection of Christ for our life. You see, that's the power of God. And Christ is the power of God to us. And my question is, am I living in my power or the power of Christ? Am I satisfied to, uh, with, with the power that I have in my life? And are you satisfied with the power that you have in your life? The gospel is this. Christ died so you can have his power. And Christ rose so you can have his power. It is the gospel of Christ. Now, the gospel, the power of the gospel, he, he tells us where it is. And the choir sang about it. It's in the cross. That's where the power is. It says, oh, the wonderful cross. All right, you know what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18? Now, listen, it tells us that the cross is the power of God. Oh, yes, right here. It says, now, now listen to this. I'm just reading the Word of God. You say, Brother Fred, where's the power? For us as believers, it is in Christ. It's in the gospel. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And, and the power comes through the cross. Listen to what it says. 118 of 1 Corinthians. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You, you say a lot to a lost person. You say to a person that doesn't know Jesus, did you know that God loves you? Do you know that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross in your place? Do you know that Jesus Christ, God's Son, took your sins in his body on that cross and that he died for you? He took your place and he took your sins. And they say, I, I don't understand that about the cross. I mean, that's just a piece of wood that a man died on 2,000 years ago. Oh, no. Listen to what he says. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said the cross is not foolishness. It's the power. It is the power of God. And let me tell you something. The cross is the power of God concerning every one of your sins and it is the power of God concerning your sinful nature. You see, on the cross, it was the power of the death of Jesus that took our sins and put, he, he bore them. He paid for them. They were on him. The Bible says he was made to be sin for us. You see, the cross is God's power against our sin. Your sins that have separated between you and God. The wages of sin is death. If you die in your sins, you'll be separated from God. See, what about God's power? It's in the cross. That's where Christ manifested the power of God to take away our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved, so that we could live a life of fellowship with God. You know, Christ is the power of God to us. The wisdom of God, the power of God, and it's through the cross. It says the message of the cross is the power of God. Have you experienced that in your life? Can you say to me this morning, Brother Fred, I'm forgiven. I know my sins are forgiven. 
I know they're washed away with the blood of Jesus. I know my sins and iniquities God remember no more. I know God sees me now, not in my sin, but in, in the righteousness of Christ. And the only way you can say that is you've been to the cross. And at the foot of the cross, you've recognized the power of God in Jesus as he died in your place and took your sins. And through the power of his death, the power of the cross, you can be forgiven and you can be righteous by the very power of God. The Bible says, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power. I want you to know he can do more than you could ever ask or think according to his power that works in us. It is the power of the cross. Victory over the flesh, victory over the world, victory over the devil through the power of the cross. A new creation in Christ. But you know, the gospel of Christ is not only the cross. I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, but wait a minute, and the third day he rose again. So, Christ is the power of God to you through the cross, his death in your place, but also through his resurrection. You know what Romans chapter 1, it says in verse 4 and 5, it, verse 3 and 4, it says, Jesus, who was of the seed of David, says in verse 3, he was the seed of David, now get this, declared to be the Son of God with power. How? By the resurrection from the dead. Paul said the message of the cross is the wisdom and power of God. It's the power of God. And then Paul, he says again, he said he's declared Jesus. God said, let me tell you who my, this is. This is my son. He is declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. You know, I'm afraid that far too many of us, including the speaker, we settle for less than God has for us. He wants us to live in the power of the cross. And he wants us to live in the power of the resurrection. And you know the greatest verse to me that tells me the power of the resurrection in my life and yours is Galatians 2.20. I'm telling you, if we ever get that, we, we won't face today in our own strength. We won't trust in our own ability. We won't trust in our own power. If we understand the resurrection, it says, I am crucified with Christ, the power of the cross. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me, the power of the resurrection. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I look at the church in Mobile. I look at Luke 4, 18. I look at the church across America, and I find myself asking the question, where is the power of God? The power of God to save. The power of God to change lives. The power of God for us to be holy. The power of God for us to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Listen, God did not save us and leave us without power. I am telling you, the Bible says the exceeding greatness of his power. You read the book of Acts. There's no explanation but the power of God. 
They'd throw them in jail, and God would supernaturally open the doors. They would try to kill them and try to arrest Paul, and they'd beat him. But they could not stop the church. They could not stop Christianity. There was no way they could stop the movement of God in those 12 disciples. And one of them had betrayed him, and another was appointed. There was no way they could stop the movement of God. There was no way they could stop Christianity because I'm telling you, they moved in the power of God. And the power of God is far greater than man. The only way they stopped them was to kill them. And every one of them died a martyr in the name of Jesus Christ. But today we sit in this school auditorium 2,000 years later. Children of God, changed by the gospel of Christ, knowing the power of the cross and knowing of the power of the resurrection because the early church in the book of Acts did not live in its own power and it did not move in its own power. And Peter, James, and John, and Stephen, and all, they didn't live in their own power. They lived in the power of the cross and they lived in the power of the resurrection and they knew what it was to have the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe all I know is that we can't be satisfied we've got to say God I want to know your power in a greater way Lord I'm not talking about an experience I'm not talking about it but God I just want to know your power in me let, let me just say this you know Jesus promised us that we'd have power over the world Victory over the world system. You know what 1 John 5 says? Who is he that overcomes the world system? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. Now we're living in a wicked world. You know that. This world is dark. Satan is the ruler of this world system. And he's the prince of darkness. And here we are, God's children. We're strangers and we're pilgrims. And we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. But on this journey through this earth, I am telling you, we're living in a wicked and sinful world. And the prince of darkness is at work on every hand. But I want to say to you, by the power of God, you can overcome the world system. You don't have to be conformed to this world. You can be transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of Christ. Let me tell you another thing. It is the power of Christ that not only enables us to overcome this world system. It is the power of Christ that enables us to overcome this flesh. You know, when you got saved, God put to death the nature of Adam in you. But until you get to heaven, there are going to be flesh patterns that you fight in your life. I wish I could tell you now that you're saved, you won't have any trouble with the flesh. But I'd be, not be telling you the truth. Galatians 5, 16. The flesh fights against the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fights against the flesh. They're in opposition to each other. Oh, it's raging. It rages. But let me say this to you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 9 and 10, you know what it says? But you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Let me say something to you. If you're a child of God, the flesh has no right to rule in your life. I mean, Jesus broke the power of the flesh. And it says you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. And the Bible says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Let me tell you something. The power of Christ is over this world system. 
The power of Christ is over this flesh. And I guarantee you, you say, well, I'm just who I am and I'm just the way I am. That's an excuse if you're not living a righteous and a holy life. If you're a Christian, when Jesus came into you, he came in you with all of his power and you are a changed person and you don't have to live the way you used to live. Praise God, you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Man, the power over the world system. The power over the flesh. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the resurrection. But there's one other thing. It's the power over the devil. Revelation chapter 12 said, And the accuser of the brethren is cast down to the earth. And I love what it said. And they overcame him. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and flee from you, and he will flee from you. Oh, listen, the power of Christ is the power over the devil. Satan and his demons are under the feet of Jesus. They're under his feet right now. And I'm telling you, he's on a string, and he can go no farther than Jesus Christ allows him to go. And he knows his time is short, so he's going to harass you, and he's going to attack you, and he's going to try to put fear on you, and he's going to try to cause you to be discouraged. But you remember that you're a child of God, and greater is Jesus that is in you than Satan that is in the world. We have victory. The power of Christ, the cross and the resurrection over the world, the flesh and the devil. Victory in Jesus is more than a song. It's a testimony of a child of God. Paul said, God can do exceedingly abundantly more you could ever ask or think by his power that works in you. And then he said again, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power. To you who believe when he raised Jesus from the dead. Let me close by saying this. There's the power to be a faithful servant of the Lord. God will give you the power to pray. And I tell you what, we need to ask God to give us the power to pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Listen, you can do more praying in the power of the Holy Spirit in five minutes than you can just praying in the flesh. And so when we get ready to pray, we need to say, Lord, would you anoint me to pray? Let me pray in the power of Jesus. Let me pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he'll honor that. And he'll direct your prayers. But you see, the power of Christ is the power to pray. The power of Christ is the power to witness. The power of Christ is the power to to see the sick healed. The power of Christ is to see the, the captives delivered. You know, see, as a servant of the Lord, we have the power of Christ to pray and to witness and to pray for the sick and to pray for the demonic. Listen, you say, well, Brother Fred, I'm not a preacher. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that God's power is for a preacher. God's power is for every one of his children. There's not one thing God can do through me that he can't do through you. Oh, you see, I mean, all of Jesus came to live in you. You have all of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the power of God to be a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, we came to you not in word. The kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power.